You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, the message is entitled, Free, Free. And this is number six in Psalm 24, our study of Psalm 24, our meditation on Psalm 24. This is our sixth message. So I'm going to pray, then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, I want to ask that we would know that freedom, like this man in this picture here, our chains fallen off, free to run after you, free to seek you, free to do your will, that we would know that freedom deep inside us. And I'm asking that you would speak through me and let your word penetrate our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. And that your word would win over everything that's fighting against it. And that if there's any fight in our heart against your word, we would surrender and let your word conquer us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? All right, put our hands on our hearts, please, and pray with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So before we get into the message, registrations ending soon for our glory unit. Don't miss this opportunity. It's Monday evenings, and it starts at 6.30 p.m., and we had a wonderful um, Monday evening, our second Monday evening together, where we had just a really deep time of prayer at the end and heartfelt prayer and the Holy Spirit moving upon us. So it's been, uh, it's been wonderful already, and it's only been the first two weeks. So the doors are closing soon. You can register. That's the card for it that animated Glory in the Dark. And you can go to holyfireschool.com, holyfireschool.com, and register. And you can come on Monday if you're interested. That's tomorrow. Also, at this time, I want to thank everybody that gives and tithes and offerings. Thank you for your giving, which makes this ministry possible. And if you do want to give, you can go to brisbanefire.com, brisbanefire.com, and there's a give page there, and you can give, and there's also a box back there and some details. Okay, now let's get into the message. How can you live free? How can you live free? Based on Psalm 24, we will talk about how you can walk free in Christ by removing the four central stones that block God's way of holiness. Learning how to remove these obstacles will keep you from falling back into a life that is dead. Revelation 3.1, and we're studying the book of Revelation right now at Bible school, 
In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, you have Jesus' message to the church of Sardis. Now listen to this. This is one of the first things that God spoke to me when I came to Australia for the Australian church. Uh, it was a, uh, a strong word, but it came, it came out of here. Now it's going to be 25 years. 25 years of celebrating 25 years of ministry here in Australia, and then soon 25 years of marriage. So we're coming up to that. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Did you hear that? They had a reputation, a name for being alive, but they were dead. And then Jesus says to them, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So we see there that they had a name for being alive, but they were dead. And we have to watch out for that. We can look good outwardly, but inside, not be pulsating with the life of God that we are meant to be pulsating with as believers. Well, here is the verse of Scripture we read last week. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Here it's talking about the Lord's way is a way of holiness. And this is all about a, another exodus out of Babylon for Israel, but also for us as pilgrims. God, Jesus' way is the way of holiness, but often there's obstacles that come in that way, and we're talking about removing those obstacles. Here's another verse of Scripture, and I, I have this picture here of the oxen with the yoke, so you can see what the yoke is. I know growing up, in uh, Long Island, New York, I thought the yoke was an egg yolk. I was very uh, distant from the farms. <laughs> so at one time, though, Long Island was lots of farms. Uh, so the yoke is what attaches two oxen together. And God is concerned about what we're attached to and who we're attached to. And we're meant to be attached to Jesus as his disciples. Now, Galatians 5.1 says... It was for freedom that Christ set us free. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. came out in the uh, worship at the end there. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So what do we learn for, from this? Well, first, when Christ set us free, we are truly free, but we need to stand firm in that freedom, and there are forces that are trying to draw us back in to slavery, draw us back into Egypt's bondage, or 
that Babylonian bondage that Israel was in when Babylon destroyed the temple. When you are saved, Jesus sets you free. Amen? When you are saved, Jesus sets you free. Yet there's still a battle to stay free, to stay in that freedom. Your adversary wants to drag you back into his bondage, that yoke of slavery. The world doesn't like you being different. The world wants you to be like it. And even your flesh craves the old life. Even your flesh craves the old life. So you have these, this battle going on to stand in freedom, which is both outside of you and also because of your flesh is within you as well. Let's go to Exodus 14, 4 through 6. And if you don't have uh, your Bible, you, you can just listen up. I'll read it to you. Exodus 14, 4 through 6. This is Israel escaping from Egypt, but I want you to see Pharaoh's response to this and what, uh, what God does too for his glory. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this, and that is they you know, kept on going toward the Red Sea. But the thing is, as they were going toward the Red Sea, Pharaoh let them go, so to speak. Pharaoh let them go, and so they're going, and then, then Pharaoh changes his mind. No, I'm not going to let them go. I, I don't want them to escape. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. And this is what happens when we're set free. It's like, you're set free by Jesus. You're saved. Yay, hallelujah. But then, then you think, oh, I'm free now. And then Satan says, oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have let, let him be saved. Of course, he's not. <laughs> he's nothing compared to God, but he's, he starts to chase you. He starts to run, you know, run after you. He wants to drag you back in. And the Lord allows this for his glory to show that he will have complete victory over the enemy in your life. But you do need to stand firm in that freedom. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 6. Here is the temptation that is within us. In Numbers 11, 4 through 6, the rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. So there's that craving for them inside. The uh, Israelites had this craving in them on the inside to go back to Egypt because they remember, oh, how good it was. But it wasn't good. They were in slavery. But they're thinking, oh, all the things they missed, the, the 
food and their desire for something other than the manna, which speaks of God's word. And then if we go to 14, 1 through 4, we see again, that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader to go back to Egypt. So there's that temptation of the flesh and the pressures of being in that wilderness. And this speaks of the pressures that are in this world where we can have a desire to go back and we need to stand. And, and that going back would be going back into slavery, into bondage. We need to stand in our freedom. Are you seeing this? Thanks, guys. So now we go to Psalm 24. We're reading the middle section here. This is my translation of Psalm 24, zooming into the middle part. Who will ascend Yahweh's mountain? Who will arise into his holy place? Clean, unfettered hands, a pure, open heart. These arise. Oh, let, my, oh, let not my soul get drawn into emptiness, nor bound to a mirage. And that's what Egypt is like, going back to Egypt. It's going back to emptiness. It's a mirage. It looks good, but it doesn't deliver. And then it goes on to say here, they carry Yahweh's blessing, the righteousness of God, their salvation. There's a reason why I've translated Psalm 24, verse 4, as clean, unfettered hands, rather than the traditional clean hands, just clean hands. My aim is to bring out the original Hebrew picture of free hands, unfettered by bondage, rep represented by the word in Hebrew, naki, naki. So this word is, it means clean, but it also means unmarried and free. And so I'm bringing out the picture of the word. It's, it's clean unfettered, free hands, free from bondage. So how can we have these clean hands? Well, a couple months ago, the Lord spoke to me, and I shared this last week. I shared this last week to write in big letters, write in big letters, and it was four words that he gave me, and I wrote in my journal these letters in, uh, these words in big letters, and then he gave me something after the word. The first word was distraction, distraction. And he said to me, they have lost their traction because they have been distracted. This is one of those stones that we need to move out of the way so that we can travel on the path of holiness. Distraction. And I want us to look at Luke 10, 38. Luke 10, 38. And look at how we can, how we can remove this stone. So, 
the way out of distraction is through focus. Can we all say the word focus? Focus, and that is spirit-empowered focus. So we've, we remove distraction through focus. Focus gives you traction. It keeps you from losing power and sinking into the world's chaotic sea. Now, we're just about to read Luke chapter 10, but we remember Peter, and when he looked and saw the strength of the waves, his eyes got off Jesus. He looked at the waves and how strong they were when he was walking on the water. His eyes off of Jesus, and then he begins to sink. So here we learn a lesson about focus. As he was focusing on Jesus, he was walking on that chaotic sea. But as he looked at the strength of the wind, then he started to sink. So focus gives you traction, and it causes you to walk in a miraculous way with Jesus. Get back to your roots and focus again on God's word and call. So sometimes we get distracted from God's original call and purpose. We lose our way. And what the Lord is calling us to is to get back to your, get back to your roots and focus on God's word and his call. Now, first, we're going to see this with Mary and Martha or Miriam and Martha, as you could probably better translated as Miriam, uh, the name. But, of course, we know Mary. <laughs> the name is Miriam, and the, the, that would be the Jewish way to say it in English. Uh, Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, or Miriam, like I was saying, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now notice Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he had, what he, what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Notice how Martha is distracted, distracted. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, this reminds me of a situation where you're hosting a party or an event, and everybody's trying to work really hard, and then there's that one person maybe playing video games <laughs> or not helping. But Mary's not playing video games here. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. And Martha's really upset. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And how does the Lord answer her? Martha, Mar Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. There's only one thing needed, one thing necessary. That's what it says in the Greek. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This listening to Jesus, this is the best thing. 
the better thing. This is, uh, Mary is not distracted. Now, of course, Mary is going to serve, but this was a time for Mary to sit and listen, and we need that those times. We need those times of listening to Jesus, listening to his word. That's what we're doing now. That's what our ministry is based on is this, uh, this passage here of sitting and listening to Jesus so that when we do serve, we are doing his will with his heart rather than in our way. So Martha is doing good things, but she's distracted by good things. Mary shows us what focus is. And there's, I'm going to go back to this slide, but I'm going to go forward once. I found this translation from James Moffat, a Scottish theologian, and he says it like this. And after reading the Greek, I thought, oh, this is a great way to say it. I said, this, this is a great way to modernize it. Now, James Moffat was a Scottish theologian who helped pioneer translating Scripture uh, in a modern way. But this is, he lived between 1870 to 1944. So his desire was, how can I put the scriptures in a way that people understand it rather than the old English? We, we honor the old English and the, the past translations, but how can I put it where, where this generation will understand it? Now, this is going back last century. So he's a, he was a pioneer of this last century. And he said it like this, Mary has chosen the best dish. And she is not to be dragged away from it. I like how he puts it there. Mary has chosen the best dish. The best dish is the Word of God. The best dish is what Jesus is serving. Now, Mary's, uh, uh, Martha, Martha is serving many different dishes to the guests. But Mary had chosen the best dish, which was the Word of God. So Martha is distracted by good things. Mary, Mary is an example of focus. Now I want to look at Samson who gets distracted by not so good things. So you go to, go to Judges 16. Judges 16. So there's two ways we can get distracted. One is by good things. They're, they're good things. They're not wrong things, but they're still distracting like Martha, Samson gets distracted by evil things. Judges 16.1, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn we'll kill him. Now, Samson is distracted by the prostitute, but for his whole life he's been living dedicated to God, but here he's getting distracted. One of the things that is interesting about Samson is even though he is distracted and he's in sin, God does not take his blessing or power from him away. Uh, he doesn't take away his uh, power that he gave him immediately, he, it's, it takes some time. And sometimes people, when they're playing around with sin, they think, oh, I'm okay. But eventually the sin does find you out. It says here in verse 3, 
And Samson still had great power in God, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and took hold of the doors of the city gate together with the two posts and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So he is still having this extraordinary power, this extraordinary strength, even though he's distracted. But eventually, what I want to say to you is distraction will get to you. And so then we read in verse 15, verse 15, the whole story of Delilah. He gets distracted now by Delilah. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she produced, uh, so, so with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Now, here is, it, here is what I want to bring out is one of the tactics of the enemy is to get us distracted by nagging us with the same temptations over and over and over or the same thoughts. And he keeps on going. And what he's trying to do is make you like Samson, sick to death of it till finally you cave in. And this is why we need to stay in the word. What does the word say? Let's not listen to the Satan. Let's not listen to our flesh that craves all these other things. Let's not listen to the world. Let's listen to Jesus. Let's eat his dish. This keeps us focused. It keeps us on track. It gives us traction. And then what happens in 17 is he caves in. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God. What his strength was his dedication, his consecration, his holiness to God. That was his strength. That's what the hair represented. It represented that he was set apart for God, it also, in the Hebrew, uh, uh, alludes to him being a prince, uh, someone who was like a prince before God because of his holiness and dedication. So his holiness is what gave him strength, but now he's forfeiting it. Because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. And that's what happened. They shaved his head and became weak and they gouged out his eyes. Uh, but I like verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. <laughs> so there's God's grace. There's God's restoration. But Samson got distracted from God's call on him from a young, you know, he was called from a young kid right in the womb to be dedicated to God, devoted to God his whole life. And he went off track from that. Get back to your call, your roots. Many of you know it. Many of you, God has spoken to you already what you're called to. He has given you a commission but the enemy has come to try to get you off focus, chasing rubber balls. <laughs> I'm just, I, that's a the joke there. Okay. Um, but chasing butterflies, other things. Get back to your roots and focus on God's word and call. The next thing 
that the Lord was speaking to me was this word. He had me write this word in big letters, excuses, excuses. Say that with me, excuses. We could do better than that. Excuses. Yes. And then he had me write, they have stopped executing my word because of their excuses. There was all these excuses. So how do we get rid of excuses? Excuses, we get rid of excuses by responding. Respond to God. Respond to his call. Respond to his word. So go from excuses to responding. And there's a reason why I have here the ambulance, because these are the first responders. And we are to be the first responders. We are to be those who quickly, when we know there is a need, or, or, or specifically when God is calling us, we are first to respond. We're not putting other things in front of him. So respond to Jesus by listening to him and quickly executing his word. Be a first responder. So Luke, Luke 14, let's turn to Luke 14, 16 through 24. Luke chapter 14, nice beautiful rain. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. We have this banquet. We talked about it last week. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, inviting many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. That they all alike began to make excuses. Say excuses again. They began to make excuses. I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. All of these excuses. Now, every time the word is preached, and if it's done authentically, Jesus is laying out a great banquet for us. It's the best dishes, and he's calling us to eat. But many times we have excuses, like these, you know, ones had excuses. So then what does Jesus say? Go to the highway and byways and compel them, compel them to come in so that my house may be full. And then if you look at Luke 9, 57, look at what they're saying here. This is something I mentioned a few weeks back, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57, the cost of following Jesus. As they were walking along with on the excuse me, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So the desire is there, the intention is there. But Jesus then goes on to say, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So are you really going to follow me? Everywhere. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he, he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Notice how that contradiction of terms. Lord, first. 
He's saying, first, let me do the thing rather than, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's him first or me first. And this keeps us from being true disciples by putting ourselves first. We would think, well, that's a decent thing, you know, that he's asking an excuse for first. Let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, very strong words here, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Notice how they're not being first responders. They're responding first to the needs that are around them, the, the pressures that are around them, uh, the family, rather than Jesus' lordship. So how do we put aside the excuses, respond to Jesus by listening to him and quickly executing his word? Don't be, you know, making all the excuses. Be quick about it. Do it immediately. Be a first responder, just like, those ones uh, when 9-11 happened, the, the firemen and the, uh, all those emergency workers that ran into the chaos to respond and help those who were losing their lives. Be a first responder. The excuses prevail when you put yourself first rather than the Lord. These are where you hear all the excuses. When you put yourself first, you make excuses. Put the Lord first. So how can, can we put this into practice? Next, apathy. Apathy. The Lord had me write down this word apathy. And he said, they have wandered from my path because they live in apathy. Now, what's apathy? I explained it last week. It's a, a lack of concern, a lack of interest, a lack of love. It's, you're disengaged. So here we have an engagement ring. How do we get rid of apathy? We go from apathy to engagement. Engagement is how we get rid of apathy. We need to engage God in the secret place, his will in our lives. Engage. That means we're fully committed. We're, I remember I got engaged to Anna. <laughs> it was a while back. And uh, 1999, when we got married that year too, it was in Central Park, and it was snowing and we were on a horse and buggy and uh, I went to get down on my knees in the horse and buggy and gave her the engagement ring and I had a poem that I read to her but it was so dark and my handwriting wasn't so good that I was uh, goofed up some of the words that I was saying oh, what, what did I say <laughs> but we got through it and we got engaged and then we got married and yeah we are coming we're, I was very, we're very close to that time, uh, 25 years. Well, when you're engaged to someone, you're fully committed to them. If you're doing it with the right heart, you're fully committed 
And this is how we are to be toward Jesus. Engage with what God is doing and his people and engage with his person. Just because our works do not save us doesn't mean our effort is not critical in our spiritual development. Here's one of the great deceptions that happens in the church, and it's this. Well, our works don't, don't save us. Yes, our works do not save us. But then we think, well, our works don't save us, so I don't need to put in any work. And that leads us to apathy. We, we're saved, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to make every effort to grow spiritually. We need to make every effort in our spiritual development. Now, here is something that God said through Amos, the, the prophet, the minor, minor prophet. Amos 6.1. I'm going to turn there if I can find it. All right. I hope so. I'm, kind of jo I'm joking around, but I hope so. <laughs> Amos 6.1. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. You know, complacent, apathetic. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come. So here is a warning that the prophet is saying, woe to those who are complacent, those who are apathetic. We've got to toss this off of us. Ephesians 2.10 says, and this is that whole paradox of we're not saved by works, but we're saved to do his work. Right? We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, but we're saved to do his work. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let's be engaged with God and what he wants us to do. Uh, let me say, one of the biggest battles is just showing up. <laughs> just getting to where God is moving among his people, getting to church, getting to the secret place of prayer, uh, getting to a prayer meeting, what, whatever it may be, wherever God is, uh, one of the biggest battles is showing up. Even for me, I had a battle this morning because I had been up a lot, of, a lot during the night, and then I tried to take a quick nap, right, between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. Let me see if I can catch a quick nap. <laughs> and then the cat, I was finally fell asleep. You know, might get an hour of sleep, right? <laughs> finally, an hour extra sleep. And, and then the cat jumps on me. And the cats, you know, maybe the cat thinks I'm dead or something. I don't know. Cats waking me up. And I was like, oh, I, I, I'm, I, I don't feel well enough this morning. One of the biggest distractions is our own pain, our own tiredness, our own whatever, our own sickness. All of these things can be distractions. And they should drive us to seek God. And I, think, I was thinking in my heart, God's put a word in my heart. I need to preach. 
Lord, please help me. And Anna's praying, Lord, please help them. <laughs> and I think I'm going to be in bed. I'm going to be in bed, and I can't even get out of bed. <laughs> and this was the battle that was going on this morning. And thank God I was able not to, not to stay there. But again, the, the whole point is showing up is half the battle, just showing up. I'm almost finished here, but have you seen The Incredibles before? Who has seen The Incredibles? Have, the first, has everybody, who's seen The Incredibles, right? Raise your hand. Do you remember this scene? I got this scene here. It's about a minute and a half. Bob, it's time to engage. And here's Mr. Incredible, and he's in another room reading the paper while the kids are running wild. And his wife is calling to him, Bob, it's time to engage. Like, gauge and, and help out. Uh, I'll play this here. See if we can, see if I can play it here. Get there. Oh, it's not going to play. It's not going to play, but it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool scene. I'll try it one more time. I don't think it's, yeah, no, it's not going to play. But, the whole call is that here's, here's Mr. Incredible. He's Mr. Incredible. <laughs> but his kids are running amok, and he's disengaged. And who's, who's his wife? What's Miss Elastigirl? Elastigirl is saying, I need help here. It's time to engage. And the Lord is also saying to us, it's time to engage. These are the end times. Every day we're getting closer and closer to Jesus coming. It is the end. He's saying, wake up. We, can, we can't afford to s- sleep any longer. We can't afford to sleep any longer. We need to arise and cast the demons that are off our back. The other word that the Lord gave me was demons. Now, Anne pointed out to me that all these words that the Lord had me write out, they spell dead. You have distractions. And then the E, excuses. And the, thank you for helping me because I'm a little tired, right? <laughs> you got distractions, excuses. A is apathy. And then the last one was demons. These things are dead. They carry demons because they do not demonstrate the truth. And the Lord wants us to cast off the demons, and Christians can carry demons. There's a whole debate. Can, can a demon be in a Christian or not? I'm not here to get in that debate. All I'm, all I'm saying is, yes, believers can get, be oppressed and carry demons and be influenced by demons. That is very clear, and we need to cast them away, cast their influence off of us. So we need to go from demons oppressing us to expelling. Say the word expelling. And this is the last thing here. You are called to carry God's blessing, not demons. As we read about in Psalm 24, 5, submit to God and actively rebuke and resist the devil. And the whole key is you submitting to God. As you submit to God, then you have the authority to resist the devil. And he comes in very sneaky ways. 
So this spiritual warfare needs to be a part of your everyday life. Everyday life. We think, well, I'm saved. I was set free. But you need to every day fight to stand in that freedom. And as you put these things to practice, you are fighting back. You are standing in your freedom. You have authority to cast out demons. So you're feeling discouraged. Some of it's emotional, but some of it is can be demonic. You've got to resist that spirit of discouragement. Even demons come to distract. You've got to resist that distraction. And all these things, they spell free. Focus, respond, engage, expel. This is how you live in freedom. Focus on Jesus. Respond to Jesus' word. Engage with God and his will. And expel everything that's trying to oppress you and get you back into bondage. Focus, respond, engage, expel. Amen? Practicing these four daily actions will empower you to live free and progress. And when you're free, you can free others. That's why it's important to stand in freedom so that you can free others. Last verse. Last verse. Now put your set. It says here, awake, awake, Zion. Awake, awake, Zion. But put that, put your name in there. Put a church on, on the park in there. Awake, awake, church on the park. Awake, awake. Anna. <laughs> she volunteered. <laughs> Awake, awake, Glenn. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Jerusalem, the holy city. But see yourself, you're part of that Jerusalem, this holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. Daughter Zion, now a captive. Hear God's call to Israel and to us. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. Daughter Zion, now a captive. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you for your words. They are the best dish. They feed us. They strengthen us on the inside. I'm asking for a great grace to be upon us that we can focus on you like Mary, not get distracted like Martha and Samson, that we would be those responders who respond to you first and not make excuses, get rid of the excuses, crumple them up, toss them out. Lord, that we would be those who engage and make an effort and those who expel the enemy. Keep these words before us. Awake us, Lord. Awake us here and awake us all across Australia, all across Brisbane and Australia. Awake your people, Lord, to rise up and be the mighty army we're called to be. Awake your people. 
Awake your people in, in every nation, all the nations represented here in Samoa and Tonga and PNG and every nation, Father. U.S., New Zealand. Bring a great awakening to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can, can we end with one, one song? Is that okay? We're going a little bit longer than last week. I think because we had a longer time of worship there. Hey, guys at home. So if we can all stand, we can all stand. And just during this time as we worship the Lord, let's respond to Him. You broke the chains of sin and shame And you covered me with grace And you made my life with your holy fire You made my life with your holy fire And you covered me with grace You break my chains You broke the chains of sin and shame Sin and shame And you cover me with grace And you made my life with your holy fire